The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. You may have noticed there are many times in scriptures where God is met on the top of a mountain. We think of Moses going up the mountain, uh, receiving the Ten Commandments up there. We think of Mount Horeb, uh, Mount Sinai, Mount Ararat. And in the Gospel reading today, we hear of the disciples with Jesus going up this mountain for the transfiguration. If you've ever been up a mountain, it's quite a spectacular uh, thing to be at the top. It's very peaceful, very beautiful, and you can have an incredible view from up there. I've been uh, skiing a few times, only kind of a handful of times, and uh, when you're at the top, it's uh, quite magnificent to see, especially if there's snow all around, which helps with the skiing, of course. I remember one time, uh, many years ago, uh, this was after being skiing for a few times, I was asked to chaperone a grade 8 uh, trip to Mount Brighton in Michigan, a little ski hill out there. And I was doing well for most of the day, and I thought, uh, these young whippersnappers are doing pretty good on the moguls, so I thought, what the heck, I'll give it a try. Bad idea. I'm not sure the exact translation of moguls, but now I would define it as little bumps of death. <laughs> really hilly parts, and uh, when I tried going on them, you're suddenly going up and down very fast, and I hit a ice patch on them, and my skis went out from underneath me, and I landed on my hip, and uh, I hit it really good. I had this huge bruise from my hip down to my, uh, to my knee, and I couldn't sleep on that side for six months. I did go and get it x-rayed. It wasn't broken. It was just very badly bruised. So it was a bit of an experience uh, for me that day of skiing. A little difference from the top where it was so beautiful and so peaceful to come down to the bottom of the mountain. And I think one of the reasons why this experience of Jesus being transfigured before his disciples was somewhat similar to that. It was an experience for them that would strengthen them before coming down the mountain and soon afterwards having to face the cross, having to face the scandal of Jesus uh, being put to death uh, right in front of them, being suffering uh, grievously and being put to death. So it was a strengthening uh, experience. One of my professors in the seminary used to say, sin is forgetting, grace is remembering. In other words, it's good for us to remember these mountaintop experiences, to remember these close encounters with God or the graces or the blessings that we receive, especially in times of trial or in times of difficulty. And we think even of Jesus praying on the cross uh, when he prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's actually the first line of Psalm 22, a psalm, yes, which expresses that feeling of being abandoned, but it goes on and, and the psalmist is quickly remembering 
the faithfulness of the Lord, how from time and time again in the past, God has always come through. God's always been there uh, for us. So a great reminder for us uh, as well. In, uh, so, again, one of these main purposes then is this uh, uh, strengthening for the cross. Another thing, main purpose of what happens in this transfiguration is God's revealing himself as a trinity. And we think uh, back to the, the baptism of Jesus with God the Father's voice saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending upon him in the form of a dove. In the transfiguration, we also have a revelation of the Trinity. We hear God's voice, the Father's voice saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And in the transfiguration, we have the addition of listen to him, which only happens at the transfiguration. And then we have uh, the Holy Spirit uh, in the form of this bright cloud, this overshadowing, overshadowing uh, cloud, which reminds us of the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the Tent of Beating and the cloud uh, that covered that uh, in the Old Testament as well. So we have this revelation of God as a trinity of persons, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I used to think that uh, the transfiguration of Jesus showed his divinity, showed and proved that he was God. But a number of different uh, writers talk about this not showing his divinity, but showing his glorified humanity. And I thought that's interesting and, and uh, interesting thought. I remember one time coming across a very interesting book, and that is called The End of the Present World and the Mysteries of the Future Life. And what caught my attention in this book was this little caption across the bottom by St. Therese of Lisieux, where she said that next to the Bible, this was the most influential book in her life. So I thought, okay, this looks interesting. I think I'll read this. So uh, one of the fascinating things about that book, it's actually a collection of different talks uh, from a priest, Father Charles Arminian, uh, and it was kind of put together in this book and only just recently, maybe in the last 10 or 15 years, translated to English from its original uh, French. But in that book, it talked about qualities of our glorified bodies, that in heaven, uh, the resurrection of the body will be reunited, body and soul, but it'll have new powers than, than we have here. And he talked about three different properties that our glorified body will have. One being what he called subtility, that like Jesus after his resurrection, passing through the closed doors, we'll be able to pass through solid objects, even with our bodies. Another one he talked about was agility, that if we desire to be somewhere there, somewhere, we'll get there with amazing speed all of a sudden, just from our, our will. And the third quality that he talked about was luminescence, where he talked about the scripture passages, you will shine like sparks in the, in the sky. Uh, that we will actually have the light of Christ shining through us. So uh, it kind of made more sense from the, the different theologians who talked about uh, the transfiguration showing our glorified humanity. Another interesting part about this is that the gospel uh, and the first reading often have some uh, similarities or some coincidence, or not coincidence, but are chosen. The first reading is chosen because of some similarities with the gospel. And I think there's two uh, uh, similarities. One is the gospel ended with uh, Jesus referring to himself as the son of man. Tell no one about the vision until after the son of man has been raised from the dead. And in the first reading from Daniel, uh, we hear about this one like a son of man appearing before the throne of a neat title for God the Father from that first reading is Ancient of Days, appearing before the Ancient of Days and it's, uh, this clearly this divine figure uh, with, with all power, all dominion, all authority being given to him. This is a title that Jesus uses for himself multiple times, Son of Man. So it's not simply meaning that he was, that he's human. He is human, but he is also divine and it's referring to this passage from uh, the book of Daniel. And we also see this uh, uh, 
The clothing was white as snow and his hair that had like pure wool. So those are kind of the two similarities between the first reading uh, and the gospel. It's interesting that uh, there are some differences in the different accounts of the transfiguration. We have uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, these are written years after this event, so each of them kind of points out a few minor details that the other ones don't. Uh, for instance, uh, in Luke's gospel, we're told what exactly uh, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were talking about. So Luke tells us that they're talking about the passing or the exodus that he would accomplish at Jerusalem, his upcoming crucifixion, death, and resurrection. So that's only in Luke that tells us that. In Matthew's gospel today, we have Jesus, when the disciples are scared after hearing the Father's voice, touching them and saying, do not be afraid. And this occurs only in Matthew's gospel. It's also been said that throughout the course of the entire scripture, we hear that expression, do not be afraid, or words similar to that, 365 times. That's one for every day of the year. God continually telling us, don't be afraid, and uh, reassuring us that he's with us, he loves us, he gives us all the help and grace that we need throughout our lives. So that's uh, Matthew's unique contribution to the transfiguration. Mark has the interesting point as well. This gospel ended by uh, Jesus ordering them not to tell people about this vision yet. Mark is the one who tells us that they kept it to themselves, but they were questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. And uh, it's a neat little expression, and uh, I think sometimes we pass over that too quickly ourselves. And uh, we can spend a lot of time, it would be a fruitful, prayerful meditation, to question for ourselves, what does this rising from the dead mean? Yes, we know that Jesus, he died and he came back to life, but uh, if we think about what that means for everyone. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for the world? What does it mean for how we see life and how we live life? It's a huge question and well worth uh, reflecting on. So they questioned what rising from the dead uh, could mean. So as we continue with this celebration of the Eucharist, let us thank God for revealing himself to us, revealing himself as a trinity of persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and revealing to us his plan of salvation. And may we listen to the Father's voice and listen to him, to listen to Jesus. And in times of trouble, may we remember the Lord's mercies of the past and his promise to be with us forever.